Welcome to Shadow Work. What the fuck? If you've been thinking, uh, what the fuck is Shadow Work and how does it help me? You're in the right place. This is your go-to podcast that will answer all your questions as well as give you the tools to dig into your shadow so you can set yourself free from the bullshit holding you back and finally start manifesting that juicy as fuck life I know you've been dreaming of. I'm your host, Caitlin Hosking, the shadow work queen and coach to fierce as fuck women who want to heal their shit so they can drop the self-sabotage and take control of their futures. I know shadow work can feel a little bit scary, so if you're new here, don't stress. I'm here to demystify the spook and bring some fun to the heavy. So get ready to learn, cry, laugh, and finally understand why the fuck you do what you do so you can quit playing small and start manifesting those big dreams. So without any further ado, let's jump into this episode. Hello, my love. Welcome back to another episode of Shadow Work. What the fuck? Today, I want to introduce you to a concept that I may have mentioned throughout podcasts, but I wanted to really unpack it here because it's going to help explain why you say one thing and do another. And you can also look at other people who you may have noticed that there is a mismatch between their words and behaviors. And you're like, why are you like that? (laughs) Like, what are you doing? And this concept just gives it a label. It gives us something to work with. And what I find is not that everything needs to have labels, but just being human, when I can label something, it helps me understand it. And when I can understand something, it helps take an emotional charge out of something and I can start to work with it a little bit better. Before I understood this concept, what would happen for me is like, I would internalize me being broken, right? Like, I was doing all these, I was saying I wanted to do all these things. I was saying that I knew something was wrong and I didn't want to do it, but I kept doing it. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? (laughs) Or I would say I wanted to do something and then I wouldn't do it. So it's starting to bring all of that together just through a slightly different lens, but you'll start to see how the shadow work and all those things also feed into all of this piece. So the concept is called cognitive dissonance. And this concept was theorized and created by a guy called Leon Festinger. I don't know how to say it, to be honest. I think it's Festinger. And by think, I mean, I did watch a YouTube video on how to pronounce it before I got on this podcast because I didn't want to sound like a dum-dum, but here we are. And I still probably butchered it. So fuck it. (laughs) If you want to look it up, amazing. It's spelled F-E-S-T-I-N-G-E-R. Leon Festinger. It's pretty good. It'll do. Parking that there. So basically all this means is cognitive dissonance is when you think or say one thing and then you do the opposite. So things like knowing binge eating isn't good for you, but continuing to do it anyway. Saying to your friend, hey, you should never change in your relationship. If your partner is making you feel like you need to change yourself, you should leave. And then in your relationship, you've like contorted yourself to like be in your relationship and disowned a whole bunch of parts of yourself just so you could be more worthy and stay in that relationship. I say that one because that was my personal favorite from about 10 years ago of what I always did. I would happily dish out advice, tell everyone, you don't change for that, man. You don't need that. You can be single. You're strong. You're this. And then, you know, in my own life, I was like, I cannot follow anything I just said. So, um, nice. Good. <laughs> so if you find yourself doing that, then it's, it's, this is cognitive dissonance, right? It, you're saying one thing, you're telling everyone to do it, but you're not doing it yourself. Other things, saying you're going to quit your job and go in all, your, all in on your business, but you just never follow through. 
having honesty as a value. So you tell everyone, I love being honest. Like it's such a value of mine. Like just always be honest with me and all of that. And then you find yourself lying, right? And this is, again, something else I experienced when I was younger is I was basically a compulsive liar. And, but I really valued when other people were honest with me. But for some reason, which I didn't understand back then, I just couldn't do it. Like, I just couldn't tell people the truth. And I felt like such a fucking hypocrite. Actually, that is the word that would explain cognitive dissonance, really, is being a hypocrite. Of, I'm saying one thing, but I'm doing another, right? Or I'm telling you not to do that, and then I go and do it. And I, I just, I couldn't understand that tension. And the last example I have here was a more recent one. And so it came from a friend of mine. And if you listen to this, you know it's you. And it was funny. And I think it is funny, but it's such a great example of this. So what had happened, and <laughs> if you have a reaction to this, just bring some curiosity to, to that because it's going to maybe highlight some cognitive dissonance for you. Because in our society, like most of us are meat eaters. I am not a meat eater. I actually don't eat meat for ethical reasons. And I'm like, I could never kill an animal myself. Like I could not pull the trigger. I no, no, no. And so I just don't eat it because I know what happens in abattoirs. I know about animal cruelty. And I'm just like, I no. <laughs> like it's just been a no for me for the last 11, almost 12 years of my life. So what happened is that that doesn't mean that if an animal is already dead because of natural causes, I am opposed to using it for my own gain. So what I mean by that is I personally wanted to get a set of bird wings that I could use in ceremony and I wasn't going to go out and kill a bird. So I said to my cousin who has a farm, he has like 60 acres. And I said, look, if you find a bird that's already dead, could you please cut off the wings and send them to me? And I'm going to, um, you know, stop them from disintegrating and going yuck and all of that. And then I'm going to use them for ceremony. And he was like, sure, no worries. So he sent the wings up to me and they were like these beautiful black wings with like this, um, like green and blue and like, they're stunning. I was like, oh, they're so perfect. And so I put them into the cornmeal and I was letting them set. But as they came to me and I was, I told my friend, oh, I need to go get some cornmeal to help set these wings. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, I've got some wings that I'm going to use for like to sage people and all of these things. And she just kind of had this reaction to it. And she was like, like, I don't, that doesn't sit well with me. Like, I don't, I don't like that at all. And I was like, but the animal it died of natural causes. And now I am just using it and like honoring this, this animal by continuing to like take such a beautiful piece of nature and use it in ceremony and all of those things. She was like, no, nah, I don't like it. Now, where I got confused and look, you're probably sitting there going like, but Caitlin, you're, you're vegetarian. It doesn't make sense why you would want to have a dead animal. But for me, it's not about the dead animal. It's about the way that that animal is killed and abused for human consumption. That's my issue. Yeah. And it's been so long. I just... I mean, I probably just wouldn't go up and find a dead animal on the side of the road and want to eat it anyway. So that's why I just don't eat animals at all. But if it's died and, you know, it's got a beautiful feather or wing or something, I, I just don't have an issue. So for me, I'm thinking that. And for her, I'm going, but you eat meat. Like, how is this 
worse than what they do to those little pigs. And I was like baffled. I was just baffled. I was like, what? It makes no sense. What you're saying to me doesn't match your own behavior. And so that is like, it's maybe slightly different. And look, we talked about and all those things, but maybe a slightly different um, understanding of what the other examples, but you will just find these little things that people say that just don't quite make sense. And when you bring it up to someone, and this is like, this is how we deal with dissonance within ourselves and with other people. So when you bring it up to people or yourself, what you find is that you'll probably start to justify a lot and belittle the impact or importance of it. And, and like, for example, when I used to smoke and know that smoking was bad for me and I was probably going to give me cancer and blah, 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 blah. If someone brought up that I was smoking and I knew it was bad for me and why was I doing it? I'd be like, oh, you know, it probably won't happen to me or this has never happened or it doesn't happen to everyone. Like I would just justify why I was doing it and why it was okay for me to do it. And so if you find that you have a lot of cognitive dissonance, Notice where you're justifying and where you know something isn't right for you or it's not matching what you actually want to say, but then you're making it fine by being like, yeah, but you know, for me, it's fine because of blah, blah, blah. The other way we'll deal with dissonance is by delegitimizing. So if someone gives you evidence for something, it's like you go and discredit them. Or you'd go and discredit a group or a situation that highlighted their dissonance. So you look for flaws in their argument or, that, for example, <laughs> flaw in my argument. If I highlight to my friend that, you know, um, you eat meat, so why is this wrong to you? And she's like, well, you don't eat meat, so why do you have that? And it's like, it sort of just puts it back on the other person who highlighted so you can avoid responsibility for your own dissonance. Yeah, so it's sort of like, this delegitimizing by making the person who's highlighting it wrong or somehow um, just not like their take a, take away their authority. This is so normal, right? Like it makes us feel better if we do that. So we just put the spotlight back on them. And the last way we deal with dissonance is we avoid it or ignore it. So we just avoid people, situations that remind us of it. So if I have told my friend I should not, they shouldn't change in a relationship. And I know that I've basically puppet become a puppet to my partner and I'm doing everything that they should. I know that my friend is going to see that. I know that they're going to see the difference. And so what am I going to do? I am not going to see them. I am going to avoid them. Right. And that helps me cope with that feeling inside of me of being like, oh, I know this isn't right and I know I've said one thing and I'm doing another one. So instead of me having to face it and be real about it, I'm just going to avoid it. Or I'm going to discourage someone from talking about it or I'm going to distract myself in some other way. So if you notice that you keep going into these patterns of justification or when someone brings something up to you, you like, like, here's why you're wrong or here's why your argument's flawed and you have to argue with them. Or if you just avoid people... Of course, we avoid people for plenty of reasons. But if you're avoiding them because you're scared that they're going to see that you're basically in dissonance or quote unquote being a hypocrite, then 
that isn't about them. It's a reflection of you and go, and starting to acknowledge that. And it's hard for us to acknowledge because it can go up against our own identity. And when something rubs up against our identity or perceived sense of self, it triggers a fight or flight response in our body because we stop feeling safe, which is why we don't like it when people don't agree with us. <laughs> yeah. So if someone's like, you're wrong, we're like, what do you mean I'm wrong? And we think that they're going to reject us. So for us to feel safe in the world, we carry a certain identity. And when we are doing, when we are doing, when we are having cognitive dissonance in our life, we start to get some consequences because of that. Yeah, because of that, I think I should be this certain way and I should act this certain way and I'm not doing it. Therefore, I feel X, Y and Z. So this can come. The consequence, number one, is internal feelings of being powerless, which can lead to struggling with guilt and shame that then leads to stress, depression, anxiety and overall low self-esteem. So when I was experiencing a lot of cognitive dissonance of saying I'm going to do one thing or believing one thing and doing the other, I honestly felt like shit about myself. Like I felt so shameful and I felt so powerless because I was like, why is this happening? Why can't I stop? Why is it so easy to dish out advice and not fucking take it myself? And Years and years and years of doing that just takes away from your confidence, takes away from your self-trust, which inevitably, inevitably leads to having low self-esteem. And one of the biggest things that we can do to help ourselves build self-esteem is literally decrease the cognitive dissonance is by saying that we're going to do something and doing it. By acknowledging our beliefs about something and what we're putting out to the world and making sure that we are in congruence with what we are saying. And as you start to just do that and you feel aligned, like people are like, what's alignment? <laughs> that, like this is alignment. You say you're going to do something and you do it. You believe something and your life matches it, right? It's, it's this feeling within you. And what starts to happen, the more you're in alignment with your values and your beliefs and you know what that feels like because it feels so good. Oh my God. <laughs> like when I first got into being in alignment in like all areas of my life, I was like, oh my, is this freedom? <laughs> this is so good. Like I'm, I'm not feeling guilty. I'm not constantly in shame and I feel good about myself, like all of those things. So once you get to that place, I can tell you it's bloody hard not to be in it. And for me, like my dissonance radar is so high. And as soon as I'm in dissonance, it feels like my whole system has been like shot. And I'm like, eh, I need to come back into alignment, <laughs> someone help. And I will go and create, uh, I'll go and do what's needed to be done to make sure that I'm back in alignment with who I am, what I believe and my values. I've had to do this like a lot in business, right? If I have... There's been plenty of times someone's told me you got to market this way or have a strategy that looks like this or whatever it is. And I go and do that. If it's not in alignment with my values, what I find is that it makes me kind of want to vomit. And I'm like, nah, I don't care if they say that this strategy is going to help me make all the money and get all the clients. I would rather shoot myself in the foot than feel this way. 
And so I will just like ditch the strategy and I'll just find something else that works for me. So if you're having this feeling within you that something's just not quite right, maybe you lied to your partner or you lied to your friends or you did some shady shit. Cool. We all do it. And you can feel like I, that was really out of alignment and I don't know what to do about it. You do know what to do about it. You're just fucking scared. And so go and start to do it. And you'll notice that even if people are pissed at you, even if they're upset, even if you have to acknowledge that, Hey, I lied, then you're actually like the fact that you now told the truth, you're going to feel better. I remember the first time in my relationships, I did this and I was terrified of being someone leaving me to the point where like, I'll do anything for someone not to leave me, even lying. And I was in this really shitty position. This is a long time ago. I was in this really shitty position where I had a partner and I had lied to him and I had been basically emotionally cheating on him. And then the other person I was emotionally cheating on him, I had lied to him and told him I didn't have a partner. And I was in this fucking mess. And I was like, oh my God. Like, this is also when I was like, honesty is my biggest value. And I'm like, I'm in a shit show. What have I done? And I actually did coaching. This is the first time I ever did coaching on, or really the first time I ever paid for coaching. Um, for relationships. I'd done it for something else actually, but this was like for relationships specifically. And basically like the answer was you need to go and be honest with these people. And so I went and I was honest with my partner. I was honest with the other guy and I remember being so scared, but, and my partner at the time was really angry at me. And I just remember like, we were basically going to break up but my head hit that pillow. And every time someone had gone to leave me prior to that, I remember like I couldn't sleep. I would be shaming myself. I'll be making myself like so wrong, so bad. And my head hit that pillow that night of being fully honest and transparent. And I remember just actually having compassion for myself and being like, you made a mistake, but you did the right thing. You finally did the right thing. And I'm so fucking proud. And that for me was such a pivotal moment for my self-esteem, for the way I saw myself, for the way that I felt in relationships. And my relationships have changed drastically since then. So knowing that if you are in dissonance, like you're going to feel it and the way to bring come back in is through doing the fucking hard thing that sort of makes you want to vomit, right? The other consequence of dissonance is being reactive or needing to overly justify things to people who highlight your dissonance. And this can cause relationship issues. Yeah. So if you're, you know, someone brings something up to you, like your partner or your friend or your parents, and they're highlighting, hey, like you're saying this and you're doing this and you get really reactive. One, it tells you that what they're saying is more than likely true (laughs) unless they're being like you know they're taking down your character and they're making you feel really shit for it like that's you have a right to feel the way you feel but if they're like hey I see this and I'm worried about you or I see this and I have concern or whatever and you get super angry at them that's going to cause relationship issues whereas if you're in alignment and you're not in dissonance anymore it's going to make your relationships feel so much better And for the last story I just told as well of 
<laughs> if you are doing one thing and saying another and it's affecting your relationships because there's something underlying all of that, then this dissonance is going to have consequences in those ways as well. So what causes cognitive dissonance? Well, you all know it. Shadows and unresolved trauma, <laughs> right? That's number one. There's three. But number one is shadows and un unresolved trauma. This causes our nervous system responses and leads us to doing the opposite of what we say we want to do. So in my relationship example, when I, I said, like, I want to be honest, I want to be with this person, all of those things. And I started emotionally cheating. What was going on for me? It was like this response inside of me when I wasn't getting my needs met from this person, I would start to feel really triggered and I would feel abandoned and I would feel really scared and I would go into a flight response and so then I would go and like attach myself to someone else. So I would stop feeling that tension in my body, right? Because then they would make me feel safe. I wouldn't feel like I was being abandoned, which was my childhood trauma that was playing out. So when I started to actually go into my trauma and understanding why do I need to feel attached to someone, even if it's at the detriment to myself and others, and starting to heal that, it meant that I stopped doing those things. Yeah. So if you have, let's just think of it as like coping mechanisms, right? A lot of the cognitive dissonance we experience is around coping mechanisms. You can say unhealthy relationships, that is a coping mechanism. Food, that is a coping mechanism. Binge drinking, that is a coping mechanism. All of those things. And you might say, I don't want to do things, but... I am, um, I don't want to do things, but I am doing it. And that is because we are trying to meet a need of ours. Yeah. So if you want to feel calm and your whole life feels like all the time and it's really like fight or flight, go, go, go. And when you eat food, you start to feel calm, then you're going to keep eating the food. And so even though your mind is like, I don't want to do this and I don't want to be unhealthy and blah, blah, blah. Underneath is that is that shadow is the unresolved stuff that's not allowing you to actually take time off to create calm in other ways. And so you're having to meet that need through the food. Right. So that's the first thing that causes cognitive dissonance. The second thing is unexamined beliefs that we pick up from others because cognitive dissonance is about your basically your mindset and the thoughts that you think and the belief systems and the not matching your behavior, a lot of those belief systems and, and values you may have actually just picked up from someone else and never thought about why you think or believe that. And so you may create more cognitive dissonance than is required just because of the way your thoughts and beliefs are set up. And so if you start to look at those and asking yourself, is that true for me? Is that what I want to believe? And doing some of that mindset work, it's going to allow you to reduce cognitive dissonance. But if it's still like really present, it just means we have unexamined beliefs. The last one is core needs. Sort of talk about this in the shadows and unresolved trauma, but 
the core needs that I'm talking about here, and this helps us explain the needs that we get met through the unresolved trauma and shadows and blah, 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 is we have needs for certainty. So that's safety, consistency, all of that. We also have needs for variety. So that's like excitement, things changing. We don't actually like things being the same all the time because we get really bored. But we also don't like things being different all the time because it makes us feel like Ew! in our system. Then we also have needs for connection. So I need to be connected with someone and significance. I also need to feel important. These must be met every single day. So if we are not meeting them resourcefully. So if we go back to my relationship example, I can look at the, the trauma was around the abandonment. Right? The need that I also needed met and regardless how much trauma and shadow work I do, I will always have a need for connection because it is a basic human need. So if I do all of this trauma work, but I am not meeting my need for connection resourcefully, I will then do it unresourcefully, even if that means I create cognitive dissonance. Because it's like biological in my body and my consciousness is like 5-10% of that. And the rest is like, like that's 90% of a need like in our body that we have to follow. So if you have this need for connection and you're not getting it resourcefully, look at how you go and get it, even if it means going against what you believe. If it means that I think of more examples from my life and things I've experienced, even from friends you know, having friends who slept with my ex-partners and then me getting revenge on them. And, you know, this is all the shit that we do when we're really unconscious. And like, I would have all these really kind of fucked up friendships because we were all unconsciously trying to get our needs met. And we didn't understand that we weren't receiving either connection or significance or certainty or whatever it was. And we were unconsciously creating these situations not because we were wrong or bad, but simply because we needed a need to be met. And so when we understand the needs and how we meet them, so you can look at, just say you want to look at certainty. It's like, well, what makes me feel really safe and comfortable and certain in my life? And it could be your job, your partner, your house, your mortgage, your bills. Like, you know, when everything's going to come out at the same time, you feel really safe in that and it feels really good. So if you only are focused on creating certainty and comfortability in your life, then you're going to have a craving or a need to create variety as well. And so you might want some basically excitement in your life. And if you don't intentionally go and create this, it could come out in ways of when the weekend comes around, you just go and get shit faced. Yeah. And you like drink too much and you party too hard and like everything gets super exciting on the weekends. And you're like, I don't know why I did that. I, and you say, oh, I don't like drama. <laughs> I don't like gossip and all these things. But you've just been a part of all these situations. And what's playing out there is that you have a need for variety. You want the drama. You want the excitement. But you're not recognizing that. And maybe your trauma stops you from being able to um, engage in things in a healthy way for whatever reason. Or the shadows playing out. But if you go, I actually have this need for variety and I like excitement, how can I resourcefully meet that? Then you will notice that your cognitive dissonance starts to decrease. So this all comes into how do we solve it? Right? The three ways of how we can solve this. Firstly, you can change your behavior. 
Change your behavior by looking at the shadows and the trauma that's actually causing you to act in the opposite way and resolve it. So if you are binge eating or binge drinking and you can't seem to stop, then it's like, well, why am I binge eating or binge drinking? What need, you can go come back to the need as well. What need is that meeting for me? What, how is it helping me cope? What is it in my nervous system that's putting me in this like fight, flight, freeze where I need this thing to help me feel a certain way? And resolving the actual underlying thing that will help you change the behavior. So not just changing the behavior and disciplining and forcing because that will end up in like the need still needs to be met and it's just going to morph into all these different things. But if you actually go into the depths, you're going to be able to change your behavior a lot easier. Number two, you can change your thoughts. Examine those beliefs. You can add new beliefs that you would you would rather follow that feel more in alignment with your soul. Or you can dissolve the ones that you don't want. If your parents told you one thing and you actually act another that feels right for you, but your mind is like, but mom and dad said this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's creating this dissonance and this disconnect. You can do the work to actually shift the thoughts and you can change your beliefs so they align and your inner and external, inner world and external world actually match up. And the last way to solve this is changing your perception of your behavior. So cognitive com- cognitive dissonance comes about because we feel like our behavior is wrong or we've done something bad and it's out of alignment and we can start to like shame ourselves and guilt ourselves and all of that. We can actually start to change our perception of that so we can create more self-compassion. So if you think about what causes cognitive dissonance, shadows and unresolved trauma, unexamined beliefs and core needs, it's actually going, oh, oh, that's why I'm doing that. Oh, that's okay. Do I want to change it? Yes or no. I can now understand how that helps me meet my needs and what a beautiful way that I've been surviving and feeling safe on this planet. And we can start to really engage in self-compassion and engage in self-forgiveness. An example of how I use this in my life was when I was in my eating, disordered eating phase and exercise phase, I had this really obviously distorted relationship with food in my body. And so eating unhealthy food or junk food, I would feel bad about because my thought and my belief was I can't eat this. It's bad for you. And then if I ate it, I would feel like shit because they're not matching up. Whereas When I started to change my perception of the behavior of eating junk food, is eating junk food not good for me? Well, technically, yes, technically, but it's good for me in some ways, feeds my soul, tastes bloody delicious, and I can do it in ways that are actually healthy and serve me by creating more balance, by actually having fun and enjoying. So it's like I'm changing the perception of this is only bad and bad for you. And you know, you're going to die and get fat and all these things to actually, this helps me enjoy my life. And yeah, maybe it's bad for me, but it's also good for me in all these other ways. 
So that's all things cognitive dissonance. Going over the three ways to solve it one more time. One, change your behavior. Look at the shadows and trauma that is causing you to act in the opposite way and resolve it. Two, you can change your thoughts, changing your beliefs and dissolving the ones that you don't want. And three, change your perception of your behavior. Creating more compassion, more understanding, more forgiveness of why you're doing something. And also that that behavior has multiple purposes or could serve multiple needs. And we just need to shift our perception and then it feels okay. And then we don't have cognitive dissonance anymore. Beautiful. That's it for this episode. If you've loved it, please leave a review. Send me a DM with your biggest takeaway on Instagram, complete underscore by Caitlin. If you are wanting to join the Ignite Shadow Work Retreat, it's running in August. There are a few spots left. You can download all of the information and that's where we do the shadow work, the healing work, the trauma work and help you really step into this most beautiful aligned version of yourself that just feels so fucking good about who they are and makes those decisions with ease. If you're wanting to become a shadow work coach and facilitator, Shadow Alchemy certification is running in September. It's an eight week certification process. If you want all the information, all of that is in the show notes and you can just download whatever resonates and feels good for you. Otherwise, screenshot, share this with someone, tag me in it, and I'll talk to you all in the next episode.